Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. If I can have your... Okay, cool. So just one other announcement uh, that we need to make. And uh, some of you may have noticed that uh, Faith hadn't been with us for a few weeks, uh, but I have the great joy of announcing that Val and Faith are expecting a baby. Which is a wonderful joy for them and for us, broadly speaking, you wonder how we're going to manage in our building. Um, But that's not to put you off at all. That's a wonderful thing that 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 we're having uh, more and more children. So um, praise the Lord uh, for that. So no, that's genuine. That's genuine. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah. So as you know, if you have been coming here for any, even for two weeks, you'll know that we're doing a series that we've called uh, Teach, Ask and Practice, a practical look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit We're teaching about them, we're asking to receive them, and we're wanting to practically use them. So this series is not meant to be theoretical of us just talking about the gifts. It's it's designed to create uh, an environment and an atmosphere where we are wanting to, and we are free to use the gifts that we have, both here on a Sunday, uh, in our small groups, um, and also just in in our lives, that that we would do that. I was encouraged uh, the other day when when somebody came up to me and directly because of some of the teaching that we've had around the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they not only were clearly able to identify their gift, but begin to operate in the gift that God had obviously given them. And that's obviously an encouragement uh, for us that that is what's happening and that is what we're wanting to happen. And remember, we've said that we want to get to the stage where We are so comfortable using the gifts. We're at ease with the gifts. We're very comfortable that that it's not determined. Our use of the gifts is not determined by everything else being exactly right. Uh, I can use them at a time when even if not not a lot else is is working out, I can use them. Um, I remember when I was in in Kenya a few weeks ago um, with Compassion. Remember, I went there. There was one occasion where we went to... Um, a particular um, school where there were loads and loads of kids and some of the guys were playing football with some of the kids and there was one guy and and this was like it was rocky and messy there were loads of kids around it was the kind of environment where I thought to try and play football here I would find it really difficult because I'm not good enough to be able to make it work in that kind of tight environment anyway there was one guy who I was like gosh Look, look at him. He was doing tricks and flicks and it didn't seem to matter who was around him. I then discovered that this guy had been a professional rugby player. And so and so he was like he could play sport at that kind of level wherever he was. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who was around him. It didn't matter the situation. He didn't need to have the kit to be good. He was good. And uh, I want us to get to the stage and we're not there yet, but I want us to get to the stage where you operating in the gifts is very natural for you. 
you're very at ease with it. You're very at ease with what God has done in you, what God has shown you, and that you can bring those gifts to bear wherever you are and in whatever situation you find yourself. So, uh, so we've looked at numbers of passages, and last week it was wonderful to have Ruth with us, and, and she talked about um, uh, sort of uh, her experiences really in Bethel and the idea of our identity being a big thing about um, how we how we can actually come to really operate in the gifts it's through knowing who we are in Christ. So the passage that we're going to look at today um, and hopefully look at it briefly um, is Ephesians chapter four. And I'm going to read from verses one to 16. Ephesians chapter four, verses one to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, just that sense of your presence with us this morning. We thank you for the encouragement of being reminded that you're a good, good father, that there is hope that we have found in you, being reminded about your names and how wonderful you are, how good you have been. And Lord, how grateful we are that we know you. And Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you will continue to encourage us and speak to us in Jesus name. Amen. 
As I've been going through this uh, series around the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I personally, from my own readings in the Bible, have become convinced, really, that God always intended to give gifts to the church um, in order that the church could become all that God intended it to be. And that uh, sometimes we miss that very thing. We miss the church broadly can miss the fact that that was God's intention was that the church would grow up. The church would be built up. And in every passage that we read about the gifts of the spirit. I mean, I, I haven't checked this, but I would I would I, I would say that this is probably true in every passage that we've looked at. What it has said is in describe it describes the gifts. It also describes why those gifts are there. So what is the purpose of the gifts? And it also describes the manner in which those gifts should be operated in every single passage that you look at where you can talk about the gifts. Those other things are there. Now, for most of us and many of us over the years, all we've done is focused on the gifts. We haven't necessarily looked at what is the purpose of those gifts and what is the context in which those gifts are to be used? So just using that very same analogy, looking at what this passage tells us, it tells us that we are to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Yeah, that is the context. Those are the characteristics that we are to display when we use the gifts that this passage talks about. It also tells us what those gifts are for to equip his people for works of service, to build up the church. Now, the challenge that we have is so often in the church, we focus really, at least in our minds and the Keeney's focus on mission. That's the purpose of the church, mission. Yeah, now, John Piper famously said, mission isn't the purpose of the church, worship is, and people use that kind of quote, but we very much focus on mission what, and what we mean by that is reaching people with the gospel. And yet, if you are actually to look at what how the Bible focuses, and if you were to look at what happens after the four gospels into Acts and the rest of the Bible, it gives a different focus to the church. It really does. That the last passage which really gives that mission focus. Is, you know, Matthew 28, we know what Jesus says to his disciples, the Great Commission. But anything you read about Paul, it gives a different focus. He says things like it's to equip the body. It's until Christ is formed in you. The purpose of the church is, is unity. It's to express and to display love to one another. That's what it describes. That's what it talks about in so many passages in the Bible. And it's almost like we have lost the fact that that's what it talks about. And we have taken all of those thoughts and put them towards mission, mission, mission. The best missionary uh, uh, display we can do is to have a body that loves one another and is united. That's the best kind of mission you could do rather than taking the gospel, as we see it, these few words and trying to use those to to help people. There's a much, much bigger picture. Why? Because people need to come to maturity. Do you know what? The church is much more about coming to maturity than it is about mission. I know that might sound a bit 
sort of controversial. It's not meant to be. But it really is. If you look at actually what is said, it's much more about maturity than mission. Because you can do mission and see many, many people responding. But those people end up, as this passage says, um, uh, they are still infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. How many Christians are like that? How many of us are like that? How many of us, when we hear a new thing, go, oh, my goodness, do I believe this or do I believe that? I remember talking to one one girl. This is a, a little while ago. I remember her saying it's really hard to know what things to believe and what not to believe. Yeah, that's what happens when we just get blown around and people come up with a new thing and we go with it. And then there's another new thing and we go with it. That was never the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is that we would grow up into him. The purpose of the church is that we would become united. The purpose of the church is that we would become mature. Why? In the end, Jesus is coming back for a bride. Yeah? He's coming back for, 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 for a bride. He's not just coming back for a crowd. Yeah? He's not just coming back for as many people as possible. He's coming back for people who are his. That's why he's coming back. And so we need to remember that. And this passage with these gifts speaks about ways in which the church gets equipped and the church grows up. And the fact that we don't really use this passage in that way, I think, is just sad that we we don't really recognize. I know it's about the maturity of the people. And as the people grow in maturity, people are, are, uh, if you like, they're impacted by that. They're impacted by by that community. Now, there are those five, um, if you like, those five um, gifts that God has given to the church. And, and I'll just run through these um, uh, quickly. Um, you remember we've talked about all these gifts. Well, here the five mentioned are apostleship or apostles. And this is the divine ability to start and oversee the development of new churches or ministry structures and and we're a new frontiers church as much as we are anything else. And um, if you know anything about new frontiers, you'll know that 40 odd years ago, people read Ephesians 4 and other passages. And it kind of convinced them about a new way of doing church. And it convinced them that they ought to go back to what the Bible said. They ought to build a church based on these kind of principles. And I'm so glad they did because because it. If you actually read the Bible rather than just take thought, you go, oh, this seems to be the way God did it. When Jesus went back into heaven, he sent these gifts in order that the churches might get built. And he talks about apostleship. Uh, Second, it talks about evangelism, the divine enablement to effectively communicate the gospel to unbelievers. So they respond in faith and move towards discipleship. And we must understand the difference between evangelism that communicates the gospel so people respond in faith and move towards discipleship. And that's discipleship of Jesus. That is not just to come along to church. I found it really sad. I just talking to, in fact, one of my one of my children, one of my daughters. And she talked about her friend who loved church, didn't believe in God. But the community, the social stuff, she loved going to church and I was like man something needs to happen when people love coming to church and but they completely miss God in it 
because the church is the people of God. And if there isn't anything that allows people to recognize that, then what is it? It must be. There must be something distinctive about the church that people recognize. Oh, they are the people of God. When you read in the in the New Testament, when you read about the early church, people feared them. They wanted to be like them, but they feared them. there was something about those people. And even the passage that was read earlier, I can't remember. I think it was Peter who read it, uh, that passage where it talks about the gospel being a stumbling block to Jews. Yeah. And um, I can't remember what it was to Gentiles. Can you remember what it was to Gentiles? I can't remember. I can't remember. If you can remember, that would be helpful. Um, so so evangelism. So evangelism isn't just about encouraging people to come into the, the community. It's about encouraging people to find Jesus and to find faith in Jesus and to follow him. Yeah, that's that's what the gospel is. It's where people come into that place. Then prophecy or prophets, the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim it in a timely, relevant manner for understanding, correction, repentance or edification. As we know, because we've said before, the purpose of prophecy is to encourage, equip and comfort the people. That's what the purpose is. If you actually read the context in which it speaks about prophecy. Next, shepherding or pastoring, the divine enablement to nurture, care for and guide people toward ongoing spiritual maturity and becoming like Christ, the purpose of the pastor is to help equip people that they might be more like Jesus. That's the purpose, that they might grow up into him. And then teaching, the ability to teach, the divine enablement to understand, clearly explain and apply the word of God, thus causing greater Christ-likeness in the lives of listeners. The purpose of teaching, in terms of teaching from the Bible, is not to... Um, What's the word? It's not to back up my own thoughts. It's not for me to think I already think this and how do I help? How do I make the Bible think what I think? And then I can tell people it's to explain the word in such a way that people understand more about who God is, his wonderful ways and that they would worship him as a result. I'm convinced of this. I've got no proof of it, but I'm convinced of this. I am convinced of lots of things that I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> But one thing I'm convinced of, if people actually knew God the way I know God, if people understood God the way I understand God, many, many more would believe in him. Because the God that I believe in is gracious and kind and compassionate. He is slow to anger and he's abounding in love. Who would not believe in someone who was all powerful but was like that? Everyone would believe that. Yeah? But there are so many filters that stop people, one of which is they don't actually believe God is like that. But I'm not convinced God is like that simply because somebody's told me. I've become convinced that God is like that because as you go through the Bible, you discover, oh my goodness, even the God that I read about in the Old Testament, where who people think is a God of judgment, is actually a God of mercy and grace. So we have these fivefold ministries, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, and that they are given to the church by Jesus in order that we might be equipped for the works of service. That's why they're here. That's why we've got them. So just a few things from this passage that I want to quickly note. First of all, the passage tells us 
that we should live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Is your life, is my life, worthy of being called Christian? Is it worthy of being called Christian? Is there something about me which means that I'm, I'm different to those people around me? What is it? Last week, one of the most powerful things that Ruth talked about was this idea that understanding better her identity in Christ changed everything for her. It changed how she operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It changed so much about her. Do you understand enough about your identity in Christ that you are living a life worthy of the calling that you've received? That's not meant to be a heavy thing. Oh, my goodness. What does he mean by that? How would I do that? That's not meant to be a heavy thing because this is grace. But actually, if you understood something, then you potentially would operate a lot more freely in it. I I love to play sport. And, um, I'm not particularly good, but I do love to play sport. And sometimes when I when I was younger, and I used to used to dream as a, as a, as a young boy. Uh, particularly used to dream about playing football and I was going to play professional football. In my head, I was a professional footballer. Um, uh, but in reality, I actually, I, I'd only make the subs bench of the Saturday team I played for. Um, but in my head, I was a professional footballer. And, and so I look back and I go, did I ever fully reach my potential? Did I ever actually reach my potential in, in sport, in, whether it's football or table tennis or whatever it was, volleyball, whatever sport I did, did I actually ever reach my potential? Most people who reach their potential, it's hard work and all that, but it's also because they've, they've, they've recognised or realised or been encouraged enough to go, you could be. Do you know what? Some of the things that you can do, you could be. And they've, and they've learnt to apply themselves in order that they can live a life worthy of the gifts that they've got. Do we live lives worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ? Question. Secondly, do we make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? You cannot underestimate unity. And by unity, I don't mean arms around each other, singing, bind us together, Lord. Or any, I don't mean anything uh, like that, because that's, that's not necessarily unity. You can do that and still not be united. Um, uh, but when people speak of unity, sometimes in our, on our own strength, we can't do that. You can't bring unity where people have different agendas and aims. So we might be one church. We might not be a particularly big church. But if, but if some of you are thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing this in church. And other people, I'm doing that in church. That will never bring unity. Uh, I'm involved, as you know, in New Day and I'm on the executive management team of New Day. What we discover is, is New Day is a it's a really, really it's a, it's a very uh, inspiring event. Yeah, You go there and you go, oh, my goodness. Wow, this is brilliant. What happens is lots of people come to serve at New Day and really they come to fulfill whatever agenda, personal thing they want to achieve. They come to use New Day to fulfill it. Yeah, so we've got people there who want to change the world in this area and, and New Day seems to be the place they're going to start. And people over here who want to change the world in this area, we want to, we want to bring creative arts to the world and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah? What you soon discover is, is there will always end up being a clash if you're not united. 
if you're not, you know, in your in your heart of hearts united in what you're trying to do, there always ends up a clash. Oh, but why aren't we doing this? Surely this is the most important thing. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. It sounds boring, but I think God blesses unity. He really does. God blesses it when you lay down your own agenda and you go, do you know what? This is for a bigger thing. That's what Jesus did. That's the example. Paul tells us before he encourages us to make every effort to keep unity, he tells us what's the environment in which unity is going to be kept? Be completely humble. You need to be humble. If you're going to be united, you need to be humble. You'll never be united if you're not humble. So if you struggle with pride, recognise you'll also struggle with unity. Dealing with your pride will help you deal with unity. Be gentle, bear with one another. Outside of these things, unity is not really possible. Unity is, maimed, is, is maintained through peaceful relations. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Peace helps you maintain unity. So if you're not in a peaceful situation, you're never going to have unity. If everyone's fighting one another, you'll never get to unity. It's really interesting when you listen to um, some of the, our national leaders, some of our political leaders who talk about unity and then they stab one another in the back. And you think, how are you going to do those two things will not go together? You're not going to create unity that way. Unity comes is maintained through peace. And we don't create it ourselves. Our unity is not based on our ability to go, OK, I'm going to surrender. my. I'm going to be. No, our unity was one for us at the cross. Yeah, unity was one at the cross. Jesus reconciled people together. He brought peace at the cross in order that we might be united. It's so important. We often don't think it's that important. It is so important because God blesses it. God really blesses unity. And then this passage tells us that, that Christ has, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And we've talked about this before, the idea that God gives people gifts and that there is grace for certain gifts. And some people appear to have bigger gifts than other people. That is not a moment for envy. That's actually a moment for rejoicing. That's a moment for being thankful. Oh, I'm so glad that God gave that person that gift. That's not a moment for competition. And yet so often. And, and But the only way you're going to do that is if you recognize I am who I am. If you remember the story of John the Baptist, there was a moment in the in the life of John the Baptist where some of his disciples said to him, John, that man who you baptized, he's baptizing more people than you. John's response wasn't, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do to increase the number of people that we're baptizing? Yeah, John wasn't, oh, no, I failed. No, do you know what John said? He said, a man can only do what he's been given. A man can only do what he's been given. I.e., I, I can't be something I'm not. I can only be obedient to the thing that God has given me and to accept the grace that God has given me for the thing that he's given me uh, to do it. So to each one of us, he has been given, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. If you can only do so much, only do so much. I get development, I get learning, I get we grow, I do get all of that. 
But in the end, God has given you grace for certain things. And if he's given you grace, operate in the things he's given you grace for. And when you see someone else who seems to be operating maybe in the same gifts, but in a, in a, in a more recognisable way, thank the Lord for it. Yeah, that's a different thing. Thank God for it rather than get worried about it. Think, oh, how am I going to ensure oh, that person is my rival here? How am I going to ensure? No. Thank the Lord for it. All these gifts that God sent to us of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, they were sent as part of the ascended work of Jesus. Jesus came to earth. We know the story. He lived a life. He gathered disciples. He, he called them to, to be his, his, if you like, his group. He died on the cross. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and then he sent gifts to men. He sent gifts. He sent the apostles. Why? In order that the church that was being formed would be equipped and would be mature. We don't mature the church by sent by putting aside the gifts that he sent to help mature the church. We have to use those gifts. You'll know that for, for us as a local church, um, uh, Toppy Colioso, who we had at our weekend away last year, he kind of oversees us. Um, and I'm hoping to get some at least a date for him to come and preach. I don't him to come and meet some of the leaders here. Uh, but I, but I, I feel like I submit to him and he speaks into me, he speaks into the into the church. And we, we couldn't do this without that if we were just out on our own doing our own thing. Yeah, because the church is more than just Beacon. But Beacon is a, an, a, an expression of the local church, but it's more than just Beacon. So he ascended. Christ gave these offices to the church. Why? As I said before, to equip his people for works of service. That's why. That's why the apostles and, and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers were given to equip the people. They weren't simply given to do mission. Yeah, they were given to equip. Why were they given to equip so that the church would be built up and become mature? Yeah, because you can gather a crowd, but it can be a very immature crowd. Yeah. So if you ever go, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a football match, like a, like a big football match. Um, whenever I can, I'll go to West Ham. That's the team. And uh, that's the players. That's the team. That's the one to go to. Um, and, and what you get there, it's really interesting because you get you get a massive crowd. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see church in the UK. We've never seen churches this size, maybe since Spurgeon's day, uh, where you get 30,000 people, 40,000 people. Let me tell you, when they when you go to football, people worship. It's a temple. Yeah, they do exactly what we do. They clap their hands, they raise their arms and they sing songs. Yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah, They're, we're, out, we're like this. I'm forever blowing bubbles. We're like this. Yeah, it's no different to being here other than the numbers of people. Yeah, but let me tell you, it's not a mature group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, can these people moan? <laughs> can these people be, can they fight? Yeah, I remember one particular match I went to and I was down the front and we were there. West Ham weren't doing well. And West Ham, and some of them are known for having some, some difficult elements in there in, among their supporters. And some of these elements were behind us. Yeah, they're up on the up behind us. And there came a point when they they were getting really agitated and angry. And so they were shouting. The rest of us were quite passive sitting there going, oh, my goodness, we're not doing too well. They began to shout at us. 
like and really have a go at us. And so we all like we were looking up and there's this large aggressive group. So we all stood up and goes, come on, West Ham, come on, West Ham. It wasn't that we wanted to do it, but we were like, oh, I think I better support. Yeah, yeah no, we're doing it. We're supporting. Yeah, the church is never meant to be like that. Yeah, it's it's about maturity. It's about when people walk in that they would feel something different. You can walk to West Ham and you can feel fear. That's not meant to be the case in the church. It's to equip the people for works of service. Why? So that we can attain unity of the faith and grow and become mature. Now, that sounds really boring, doesn't it? Oh, equips works of service, unity of the faith, mature. Oh. But I think it's in that thing itself that that's, that's the mission, because that's what God has done. That's what people see. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Building the church is really important. And I want to encourage us to do that. I want to encourage us in our groups to be building the church through using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then we'll no longer be tossed back and forth. The problem, just to finish, when we make the purpose of the church mission over maturity is we can become dissatisfied because we're not seeing all the mission stuff. You can become dissatisfied. You can become discontent. Why are we out doing stuff? Yeah. Because the goal of the church isn't mission. It's until Christ is formed in you. It's so that you are built up. It's so that you grow, so that you can get to the point where you can recognise. Uh, Tim Keller writes a book called Counterfeit Gods, and he, he acknowledges it and he writes it at the beginning of the book. He acknowledges his sons in it. He says to my sons who can spot the counterfeit, who can spot the counterfeit. Can you spot the counterfeit? Do you have enough in you about your faith that you can spot when it's going awry? Or do you just get caught? Oh, oh, that seems, oh, no, oh this seems good. Now. There is no direct correlation between the size of a church congregation and the maturity of those that attend. Yeah, my last church was when I left it, it was nearly a thousand people. It's much more than that now. It was nearly a thousand people. Yeah, but the fact that it was nearly a thousand people didn't mean that the people there were more mature than the people here. Yeah, because that's not the purpose of it. Yeah, for each of us, God has given us this uh, ability and this, and for me, this call to help equip people for works of service. That's why we're here. And as we do that, God uses that to be a witness and that you go out and you're a witness. You're on mission. But you're also strong so that when when the referendum comes around and everyone else is panicking, you're not panicking. You're not worrying. You're not you're not going, oh, my goodness, what's going on with the world? You're going, Father, I know that you are in control. You're the sovereign God. And I trust you. Let's pray.
It may be that this morning, just in these last few moments, there are people here who um, want, want to receive some prayer. It might be because of something that has been said this morning, whether it's through something I've said, something that's come out in our worship, or it might be that you've come with stuff. Remember there was that word earlier about Jesus' yoke being easy and his burden being light. And if, if you want prayer um, for, for anything, I just want to encourage you where you are uh, to stand. You'll just give you a moment. You'd like prayer this morning. You don't need to say out what it is, but if you would just like someone to pray for you this morning, I just want to encourage you to stand. A number of people that have stood. Just give it 30 more seconds if you'd like prayer this morning. For whatever it might be, just want to encourage you to stand. Okay, we have a num- numbers of people that have stood, and we're very. Uh, just please stay standing. Don't don't don't, don't change that. And in a moment, I'm just going to pray. Um, and after I've prayed, what I want to encourage is, is you to keep standing, and for others in the church, if you're a Christian and you don't need prayer this morning, Hallelujah. Um, maybe you just want to go alongside someone who is standing and pray for them, and pray God's blessing on them, and pray specifically what it is that they. Uh, that they want in prayer for. So why don't we just lift our hands, let me pray, and then I'm just going to release us to go and just to stand by someone and to pray uh, for them. Those of you who stood, why don't you just lift your hands to God and let's, let's just ask that he would come. Father, I thank you that um, uh, those who have stood have, have acknowledged that today they, they want something of you. They, they're looking to you. And God, it's, it's wonderful when people look to you, when people maybe find themselves in difficult situations, tricky situations, they can't explain its situations and they look to you. And so this morning, I, I thank you for that. And I pray for every person who has stood here this morning. Father, I ask that whatever it is they're looking to you for, that they will get it today. I pray, Father, where they need breakthrough that they would receive breakthrough whether it's in a job situation in a home situation whatever it is father whether if they need healing i pray for that they would receive healing today if they need assurance i pray for assurance if they need wisdom i pray for wisdom i pray that they would receive whatever it is and i pray father as we 
as the body bless them, I pray that you will bless them through us as the body operates together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, I just want to still stay standing. I want to encourage others in the church to move towards them now, just, just to pray. Remember, operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that really make a difference to people's lives. So if we can just get around those that have stood. Ben, can we just put some music on? And uh... You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.